All right, glad you're with us. I, I got to tell you, these are trying and chilling times, and it's kind of now wherever I go, people are like, what are we going to do? You got to tell what are we going to do? Um, and I understand why people are feeling this way. Not only that, we, we've got an outline of what the agenda of Biden, Kamala Harris are going to be, and it's I know I don't want to sit here. I told you so. But I said, live free or die. America and the world on the brink. It is as bad, as radical as ever been stated before an election. And it'll be worse when it's implemented. Much worse. I mean, this this whole cancel, silence, shut down culture is is getting insane. I can't even believe that this is the America now we're now emerging into. But it is. You know, the UK Independent today, editors, publishing agents, authors have all signed up to a letter in the hundreds demanding that their industry, the publishing industry, deny Donald Trump the publication of any post-presidential memoir. Letter titled, No Book Deal for Traitors. I guess, you know, there was an interesting piece by uh, Miranda Devine you know, comparing this to the, quote, adjective of McCarthyism, which is a separate issue in and of itself. Um, But, you know, it's it's but she's right. She says a feverish mood is afoot evoking the spirit of McCarthyism and the Salem witch trials in which uh, irrationality and hysteria uh, points fingers at the innocent. I mean, it actually took Bill Maher this weekend on his show. I didn't watch, but I. I read about it, and then I wa- then I heard it, heard the audio, you know, to say, yeah, excuse me, let me be the first to say, 5,000 uh, people that enter the Capitol don't represent 75 million Trump supporters. Well, there were hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that showed up at their rally, and they did not invade the Capitol. And now we're also learning about those people, agitators, the warnings that were ignored, et cetera, that we've been going through in some detail. Nobody wants to hear about facts. Now it's, it, look, it's everything that we in talk radio and a few of us on Fox have experienced for years. It's been decades for me that I've experienced this. Efforts to silence, shut down conservative viewpoints. Now it's just expanding out. I mean... You don't have to buy the book. You don't have to buy it. Just like, you know, I want everyone to listen three hours a day every day. It's all I ask. Not a lot. One hour at night, TV. I'm an independent island here. We do a lot of truth-telling that the mob, the media, will never do. We're proud of the work we do every day. And we stand alone, independent as ever. Trust me. It's never been easy to get attacked all the time. So we have a letter now from... Writers and editors, no book deals for traders. You don't like what they say? Nobody's telling you to read it. Signed by more than 250 editors, authors, and publishing agents last week. How many times? I can't even name the amount of times things have been written on social media, things that have been written in books, things that have been said on television that has been absolutely libelous, full of slander, smear, besmirchment, Against me. And not one time I can say with all truth that I ever say they need to be shut down. They need to be silenced. You know, I always knew where this was eventually going to head. I've always known it. And all these efforts, why I've never supported a boycott. 
a boycott's just a roundabout way of, you know, if you make a show uh, financially impossible for any show to make money because you, you demonize it, you take a word, a sentence, a phrase, or an opinion that you don't like, and you, you, you pressure advertisers, don't go on that show. I mean, it's the same thing as for silencing speech. There's a fortune that has been spent to shut down conservative talk radio hosts and, and, if, and a few of us on the Fox News channel. I've lived through this. And I'm like, it's, I find it chilling to me. And, and now cancel culture is now at a point where you got writers and editors of all people. You know, it, and it's not unlike what we see at college on college campuses, is it? It's really not. You can see it everywhere. Michael Barone had an interesting piece on this, too. Fears for the future of freedom of speech. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of fears. Now, you don't have to agree. I've never agreed or even liked Bill Maher. But it wasn't liberals that wanted him canceled from politically incorrect. It wasn't conservatives, rather. It was liberals. It was conservative voices that stood up and said, no, don't cancel it. People don't want to watch it. Don't watch it. And even at times when there were conservatives that wanted to silence Howard Stern, why? If you don't like it, you don't have to listen. And he was, you know... Probably smart. I mean, best movies ever made going to Sirius XM. Fin financial reasons, but more importantly, got people off his back. Because then people then, if you wanted the service, you have to pay for it. And people did. And people want that filter. You got people over there at the biggest lying network, fake news CNN, you know, literally trying to get hosts fired because they don't like what the opinions are, totally oblivious to all the lies they told about Russia and Ukraine and all the vitriol and hate that they spew every day against any and all things Donald Trump. We've seen this on college campuses for a long time all around the country. They don't even want conservatives to speak. Harvard didn't want last year any Trump administration officials to have the right to speak. Now Harvard is circulating a petition signed by thousands that they want to take away the degrees of conservatives like Ted Cruz, Kaylee McEnany. They got degrees from Harvard. This is nuts. Anyway, it's this is this this is modern statism, authoritarianism, liberalism, and it's manifesting itself in way after way. It wasn't enough that social media platforms shut down the president and shut down conservative voices. Now, no, that now they got to go join together and shut down their competitors. I think parlor is back up. I don't know for sure. I heard it was. I read somewhere it was. I don't even use this stuff because it just drives me insane. You know, even even high profile figures like Michelle Obama took the lead in urging the permanent ban of Donald Trump on Twitter. With all due respect, I mean. Barack and Michelle Obama were friends with the Reverend Jeremiah Wright, the Church of GD America that they went to for two decades. Nobody ever said they shouldn't be allowed to go listen to Reverend Wright. They hung out and started Barack's political career in the home of unrepentant domestic terrorists, Bill Ayers and Bernadine Dorn. Did anyone forget that part? I don't know any conservative that said they should be shut down, canceled in silence and not get a book deal. You got, you know, this uh, Andrew Yang guy is calling for cable news channels to re be required to give the appropriate alternate viewpoint. Well, that would be 99% of the, the media, Andrew, that slants solidly to the left. 
we are the few other voices out there. I mean, Twitter, Facebook, Apple, Google, big tech giants. I mean, what they did to Parler is unbelievable to me. You know, there was a teacher, I forget what school it was, in the, I think it was in the Rust Belt, and some college did not rightly condemn what had happened at the Capitol because they didn't know. They'd been out of pocket. Fire that teacher. He said, I didn't even know what was going on. I have no idea what you're talking about. But they just label it as hate speech, and they just move on from there. It's long been protected, First Amendment, longstanding Supreme Court precedent. Wonder what's going to happen here. You know, how far is far enough for the left? Uh, Michael Barone quoted Rod Dreher, who's a great writer. I predicted the left and liberal establishment would use the the failed beer belly, you know, as an opportunity, and you know, that caricature, as an opportunity to begin to implement the rudiments of social credit system to otherwise marginalize and suppress writer-centered discourse and people. Well, here we go. And that's all true. You don't like what President Trump says? Don't like, you can't say, you can only say certain things, certain ways. Now the president, no book deal. We don't, we don't want to totally silence it. That's why we're going to, and any Republican, let me be very clear about this, in the United States Senate, you ought not be part of a post-presidential impeachment circus shift show charade. And my advice is don't go. Work on the people's business. Let them put on their show. I wouldn't even, if I was the president, I wouldn't even bother to put on a defense. And then when they're going to have the final vote, every Republican should walk in the chamber, vote to acquit, and move on to, like, important issues that matter to people. Now you just want to shut the president down forever so he can never run again. And the saddest thing is, is I don't even think, I can't say with certainty we'd even get a 5-4 decision that would shut down what is unconstitutional, according to Jonathan Turley, uh, Alan Dershowitz, Mark Levin, and and judges that sat for decades on the bench all saying the same thing. It's pretty unbelievable. And this is what they want to do. I never thought I'd read what I read today, the AP reporting, that apparently deep state Democrats are so worried about the support that the president enjoys from the military, they're now vetting members of the National Guard assigned to Inauguration Day. They might stage an inside attack. Like, what? Didn't you vet people ahead of time? You got one Democratic congressman saying Trump voting white males in the National Guard pose a threat to Biden's inauguration. Where were the people over the summer when we saw these radical left-wing groups burning down cities and hurling Molotov cocktails, bricks, frozen water bottles, bats, even guns and knives injuring 2,000 police officers and killing a couple of dozen people. They weren't conservatives. They weren't MAGA people. And, you know, now, you know, we, I thought this was a joke last week when, when Project Veritas, they have new tape out today, when they found this tape of the NPR lawyer saying, yeah, we ought to empower the Department of Homeland Security to take children away from their parents so we can send them to re-education camps so they can watch PBS all day. Didn't sound like he was kidding. Katie Couric attacking 
anybody that disagrees with her, Republicans in Congress, the president. How are we going to really almost deprogram these people who have signed up for the cult of Trump? What is this now? Are you or have you ever been a supporter of Donald Trump? Let's play Katie Couric. It is so shocking. Not only are they not conceding, Bill, but there's thoughts that there might have been some collusion among members of Congress. Some are refusing to go through magnometers or whatever you call them to to check for weapons. They're not wearing masks during the siege. I mean, it's really bizarre, isn't it, when you think about how AWOL so many of these members of Congress have gotten. But I also think some of them are believing the garbage that they are being fed 24-7 on the Internet, by their constituents, and they bought into this big lie. And the question is, how are we going to really almost deprogram these people who have signed up for the cult of Trump? Deprogram, take children away, re-education camps. Wow. Now they're talking about the 14th Amendment to remove Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz. What did Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz want? A 10-day audit? You don't have to agree with it. It wasn't even going to pass, but they were fighting for what they believed in. Now, you have to think a certain way or they're going to throw you out, bypass the will of the people in their states. That would be their job. That would be their job. Unbelievable. Now, you have one uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Twitter suspended her account. Who wants to be on Twitter anymore? Vet the National Guard. They may be Trump supporters in there. Where was the passion this summer to stop the violence and the burning and the looting and the rioting and arson and everything else? Unbelievable. NPR attorney, we need the government to take your children and and send them to re-education NPR camps. Katie Couric, we got to learn to deprogram those who signed up for the cult of Trump. Joe Manchin, he wants to consider removing Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz under the 14th Amendment. They wanted a 10-day audit. You may not like it, may not agree with it, but it's the free and and clear. I, I thought America was about debating these issues. Unbelievable. Never mind in 2017, I didn't hear all the people that opposed Trump's election and the electors then. No, he didn't say a word. Such hypocrisy. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um... You know, then you got anybody who doesn't have the right views thrown off Twitter. While we're at it, we'll all unite as big tech companies and we'll silence uh, all the competition for Twitter. You got uh, squad member Presley, Congresswoman Presley, Congress members who didn't wear face masks or committing chemical warfare. Unbelievable. You know, AOC erupting far left Democrats say Trump voters have drank the poison of white supremacy. Sounds like Don Lemon last week. Demanding taxpayer dollars to de-radicalize white supremacists. Their world will never exist. If you believe that every Trump supporter is a white supremacist, then they can't exist anymore. Even though the whole premise of it is false. Um, it's pretty unbelievable. Pretty unbelievable. I just, I, my, these are scary times. I'm telling you. By the way, Rand Paul had a dire warning about the future of the Republican Party if the Senate Republicans go along with this charade post-impeachment trial of Donald Trump. Yeah, that's the end of the Republican Party. I agree with him. 
ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to take a second to hear the immortal Bob Grant's thoughts about the world today. Hey, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's sick and it's getting sicker. Now back to the Sean Hannity Show. And that's never been more true. Sick and getting sicker. I was just re- uh, reading Miranda Devine's piece in the New York Post today. Which, by the way, you'd never get on Twitter, I guess, because they just decided, no, we don't, we're not going to run this true story before the election about a zero experience Hunter and his laptop, even with a picture of Hunter falling asleep with a crack pipe in his mouth. Why would we ever want to talk about that? But it never happened. She writes, there's a reason why blameless Republicans, Trump voters are being tarred with the same brush as the Capitol rioters. And I was kind of shocked, Bill Maher. Yeah, 5,000 people don't represent 75 million. They just don't, but they would have you believe that. It's not enough just to arrest and prosecute the actual law uh, breakers who smashed their way into the Capitol. Well, now we know, too, that they had warning signs. That we, needed, we need the equivalent of a 9-11 commission report. Every one of our enemies around the globe saw this. A vulnerability I, I never thought would be possible. And I'm not blaming. I, we just can't allow it to ever be in place to happen. That can't happen. Unbelievable. So we better get to the bottom of it. Now, now, obviously, they are for the inauguration coming up. Talk to my friends. It's just crazy. No one who supported the president voted for him, worked for his administration. Now they know. Now they have to be hunted down and purged. Isn't there a movie, The Purge, something like that? I think I watched it. They're losing their jobs, having their insurance canceled. Well, I think she wrote this before writers and and editors joining a push to deny Trump getting a book deal post-presidency. Banned from uh, being uh, or flying or, or banking. Can you imagine no fly list for Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley? Josh Hawley's book canceled. Cancel culture. Now let's throw them out of Congress. Throw them out of the Senate. Use the 14th Amendment. Joe Manchin's the one that said that. Petition at Harvard, even demanding Trump staffers have their degrees revoked. She writes, a feverish mood is afoot, evoking the spirit of McCarthyism and the Salem witch trials in which irrationality and hysteria point fingers at the innocent. This has been the world we've lived in in talk radio in my years at Fox for some of us. It's not just an emotional overreaction to the frightening events of January 6th. It's a deliberate tactic designed to intimidate conservatives and silence their protests when the Biden administration radically remakes the country as it's promised to do from day one. And by the way, everything I told you they're going to do, they've already now confirmed they're going to do it. I told you they meant it. Democrats, their allies in corporate America, preemptively taking out the opposition because they know that their prescriptions don't work and are opposed by a majority of Americans. We're not a socialist left wing country. They didn't win that argument. That I can tell you can already see opposition growing in this country. Everything that they're outlining, which I'll get to in a second, is more frightening than the previous one. They'll have control of both houses. They'll have one party rule. Stacking the Supreme Court, D.C. statehood seems to be on track, and it's just the tip of the iceberg. Dismantling border protection, tip of the iceberg. Uh, They're going to give amnesty to millions of people, tip of the iceberg. 
And we'll talk about the caravan here in a minute that's coming our way. Even if Biden delays his promised implementation of immigration reform, he signaled his intent. Caravans of hopeful souls in search of a better life already are on the move in Honduras, what the Washington Post likes to call a super spreader event. Now, in light of COVID, would it be fair if somebody's coming from another country to make sure that they don't have COVID? Just a thought. Would that be terrible? These H.R. 1 reforms of uh, Nancy Pelosi are just downright scary. Now they want to bake in mail-in balloting, same-day registration, weakened voter ID, if any, requirements, early voting. They want Nancy Pelosi's is all in H.R. 1. That's the first item, agenda item. Bake in all the COVID changes on elections. No voter ID, limited voter ID, very weak ID requirements, early voting in perpetuity. Might as well start voting now. Unbelievable. She writes, Miranda Devine does, the aim is to entrench the election rule changes made under cover of COVID last year, which benefited the Democrats, led so many Americans to lose faith in the elections and ultimately fed the environment we're now living in. By the way, I guess she'll be canceled, too. She can't have this opinion. It's, you know, what you call pouring fuel on a fire. Pelosi has added statehood for D.C. to a progressive wish list. And as she says, the, the look, people are afraid. You do know that they really want to shut us down. It's, it, it's, she's right. What do you think the whole effort to silence the president on Twitter, now silence any book deal he might have, any future he may have? What do you think the post-impeachment trial shift show would be all about? Crackdown on free speech, big tech. It's not enough that they just ban conservatives they don't like or ban the president because they don't like the speech. Now they're going to use it to go after their, to use their power to shut down any potential alternative that people would choose to use. You know, a guilty by association. Don Lemon, 74 million Americans voted for Donald Trump. With the Ku Klux Klan and the Nazis, his comparison last week. Wow. Katie Couric, deprogramming, NPR lawyer, re-education camps, take the kids away. You know, you had corporate America. Now, they better follow the message, too. First, they canceled, apparently Lowe's over the weekend caved in some activists, canceled Josh Hawley's fundraiser in one of their hotels after Simon & Schuster had already canceled his book contract. Pretty unbelievable. Some musician, I don't even know who Ariel Pink is, had his recording contract canceled because he was at the Trump rally on January 6th. He didn't go to the Capitol. He was at the Trump rally. Forbes warning companies that if they hire, you know, Trump officials, Kaylee McEnany, Kellyanne Conway, they will be blacklisted. Jack Dorsey, tip of the iceberg. We have new tape out today. 14th Amendment, Ted Cruz and, and Josh Hawley's. Joe Biden comparing those two senators to Nazi propagandist Joseph Goebbels. Unbelievable. You better think the same way. Now, with all that said, you would think, well, probably now people that supported the president, no. 93% of Republicans would vote for him today. 
And I do believe Rand Paul is right. If the the Senate Republicans, if they go along with this post-election impeachment trial shift show, that's it. That's probably the Republican Party will fracture. It will splinter. And I don't think you ever I don't I don't know how they get back on track. 800-941-SEAN is our number. I don't think Mitch McConnell really cares. He just got reelected. What does he care? They don't seem to care. Where's Peter? I thought that Joe Biden wanted to unite us. <laughs> Comparing Republican senators to Joseph Goebbels is not exactly uniting. Truth doesn't matter. Now, what is this in pursuit of? Why is it all? Because they don't want opposition voices to their agenda item. Biden article today on the blaze to sign a dozen executive orders day one in office. Reverse Trump's travel ban, rejoin the Paris agreements. Their transition team saying over the weekend they'd sign executive orders regarding climate change, immigration, student loans, coronavirus pandemic. I told you it was the most radical socialist agenda ever stated, and they meant it. Memo goes out from Biden chief of staff, Ron Klain. Ten day plan of action. Memo to the new White House staff, Biden's administration would address four overlapping compounding crises, the covid crisis, the economic crisis, the climate crisis, the racial equality crisis, all crises. By the way, Joe Biden said there wouldn't be a miracle when we have a vaccine. Thank you, Operation Warp Speed and Donald Trump. And but everything basically that he said now, day one, he's going to sign the Paris Accord Agreement. Well, now, why is that a bad idea? That's a bad idea because it puts burdens on American business and energy and manufacturing that China won't have to buy into for, what, 10, 20 years. They're they're viewed as in this deal as a developing country. Meanwhile, they're the biggest polluters on the planet. And you're not going to convince me that they're a developing country either. Then, of course, Joe Biden wants to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline permit on day one. By the way, if you work in the Keystone Pipeline, uh, Keystone XL Pipeline, and you have a high paying, what you thought would be a career job in energy, you can forget it. Your plans just uh, got erased, just like they want to erase voices they hate and disagree with. Then we got the travel ban. We're not going to have any travel bans. You come from Libya, Somalia, Syria, Yemen, North Korea. Is there going to be any vetting of people that come into the country at all? He's going to have his, what they're calling a groundbreaking legislative agenda. Oh, I bet. Including amnesty for an estimated 11 million illegal immigrants residing in the U.S. And they're going to have the 100-day mask mandate. How are they going to pay for all this? They're going to pause repayment on and of and interest on any student loans. That's going to lead, lead to free money. Why did, was I stupid enough to pay off my student loan? Took me 10 years. I paid it all off. Cancel the XL, uh, Keystone XL pipeline. Shale producers lock in future sales as oil prices rise. Yeah, of course. They're taking advantage of the oil market's rally. Well, let me tell you what's happening. I didn't you know, we're now at the point where energy independent for the first time in 75 years. Let me tell you who's doing backflips and celebrating today. That would be the, the hostile actor from the hostile regime of Russia. That hostile actor being Vladimir Putin, because now he gets to provide all the natural gas 
to all of Europe. God forbid if he has a fit one day and decides to turn off the spigot. And what's going to happen? They're going to make Russia's economy strong and great again. China is now building pipelines. What would they care if, if Joe Biden's stupid enough to go along with the Paris Climate Accords? We, we're not the big polluters that China is or Russia. We haven't needed oil from the Middle East. Now we're going to have to import oil again. What do you think that's going to do to the prices? Supply, demand, dictate, crisscross, dictate the price. And if we take ourselves out of the production business, which will kill off hundreds of thousands of high-paying career jobs for Americans, well, that means that there'll be less production. That, that allows hostile regimes and nations towards us to take advantage, fill the void, and create also geopolitical alliances we probably can't even imagine today. That's how bad this is. There was a Fox piece that came out. It made me laugh. Los Angeles Times ran a headline Sunday. Make America California again. That's Biden's plan. Like, great. Tax you into oblivion. And, of course, screw everything up. And and take... Uh, uh, this isn't going to end well for the country. Have a whole chapter and live free or die. Socialism and its history of failure. But this is their 10-day plan. That's only the beginning of this whole thing. Biden transition officials tell the migrant caravans, this I found interesting, um, now is not the time to come. The situation at the border is not going to be transformed overnight. You can come later, but not now. Well, now we got 9,000 migrants. By the way, from what I read today, uh, from NBC News, apparently they're they're having a huge COVID outbreak there. He assured us during the presidential campaign that his absolute top priority would be to defeat COVID. I mean, is it wrong that like we check and see if anybody coming into the country, if they have any radical backgrounds or associations? Would it be wrong to see if they're eight, uh, COVID positive? Or would that be viewed as unfair? I wonder if the caravan's going to have Joe Biden's mask mandate. 9,000 Hondurans marching towards our border. I would imagine a few of them, just a matter of simple math, probably are COVID positive, right? Infected, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, so that's, now what are they going to do? Honor its commitments. They're actually, the migrants are saying to the Biden administration, honor your commitment to let us in. I didn't know they had a right to come. Thought you had to come in legally, but that's really how stupid of me. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. All right, news roundup, information overload hour. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. All right, we got Joe Kamala canceling the Keystone XL pipeline permit on day one. Joining the Paris Accords on day one. Raising taxes and pushing the rate. Day one. New Green Deal. Day one. Open borders. Pretty much day one. Mask mandates. Shutdowns. Uh, yeah. Day one. First 10 days of office. President-elect Biden will make decisive action or take decisive action to address these four crises. He goes on to say the economic crisis, COVID-19, the climate crisis, the racial equality crisis. 
Anyway, here is Joe Biden transitioning away from oil. This will be, by the way, if you're working on the Keystone XL pipeline today, I bet you're not having a good day knowing what's coming. If you haven't already gotten your pink slip. Would he close down the oil industry? Would you close down the oil industry? I would transition from the oil industry, yes. Oh, I would transition. That is a big statement. That's a because I would stop. Why would you do that? Because the oil industry pollutes significantly. I see. Here's the deal. But that's a big statement. Well, if you let me finish the statement, because it has to be replaced by renewable energy over time. Over time. And I'd stop giving to the oil industry, I'd stop giving them federal subsidies. You won't give federal subsidies to the to the gas. Excuse me, to the to uh, solar and wind. Yeah. Why are we giving it to oil industry? We actually do All give right. it to solar and wind. We and have that's one maybe final the biggest question. statement in terms of business. That's the biggest statement. Okay. Because basically, what he's saying question, is he is Mr. going President. to destroy the oil industry. Okay. Will you remember that Texas? Will you okay. remember that Pennsylvania, Oklahoma? Vice- U.S. shale producers, they've locked in future sales as oil prices rise to a one-year high. We're beginning to see the impact. It's just the beginning. Anyway, Steve Moore's with us. Uh, He was on the President's Economic Recovery Task Force uh, and author of Trumponomics inside the America First plan to revive our economy. Uh, David Bonson is with us, founding and managing partner of the Bonson Group, um, both here to discuss what's coming. So between the trillions they're going to have in stimulus, the trillions on the new Green Deal, uh, shutting down oil, energy, gas, the lifeblood of the world's economy, creating more dependence, and by the way, a foreign policy vulnerability uh, that we, we don't need to have. Uh, Steve Moore, how, how bad, how south will this go and how fast add shutdowns to it on top of it? Well, Sean, I think I warned about three or four or five months ago on your show that anyone who thinks that Joe Biden is going to be a moderate president should have their head examined because this is not a moderate president. This is a far left uh, agenda that Joe Biden has put forward. And I got to tell you, when it comes to this Keystone pipeline, you know, Joe Biden says we should have a $15 an hour minimum wage. Wait a minute, Sean. You know how much people get paid on these uh, pipelines? They're not $15 an hour. These are $50, $60, $70 an hour jobs. The unions are all for it. In fact, I mean, the unions want the pipeline. They don't want to cancel the pipeline. But, of course, uh, Biden put his uh, radical green agenda ahead of uh, ahead of the workers of America. These are unionized workers who are going to lose their jobs. And, incidentally, i got to tell you one more thing, Sean, because this has not really been reported much by the media. We're shutting down our pipelines here in the United States. And yet, as we're doing that now with Biden... China and Russia have a $10 billion project to pipeline that oil and gas from Siberia to China. So wait a minute. What's wrong with this picture? We can't build pipelines here in the United States. We have more energy than any other country. But China and Russia have a deal. Do you think that they're going to stop using fossil fuels, Joe Biden? If you do, you're a fool. This plays right into the hands of our enemies. Uh, If you want to make uh, China and Russia great again, this is probably the single best best gift they could ever have, David uh, uh, Bonson. And and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, wow, Vladimir Putin is just doing backflips because this means this will revive his failing economy. The communist Chinese that have already been showing more hostility towards us and, and geopolitical ambitions at a scale that ought to put a chill up the spine of every country. 
Uh, now they're going to they're now getting in the game, too, knowing that there's going to be a void in the marketplace because of Joe Biden's insane policies. Well, what I think you have to hope for is uh, a kind of hypocrisy from Biden. And it's not often I'll ask for hypocrisy from a politician. But um, and I think Steve would agree with me on this. Barack Obama did a pretty good job of saying one thing and doing another on energy. Um, I, I don't like the fact that they limited drilling and fracking on federal lands, but they really did allow fracking to expand. And, and if, thank God, because if they hadn't, there would have been even worse economic results throughout the administration. But the fact of the matter is, we talk about Putin and some of the global landscape for energy and this Keystone Pipeline. The big question is, is Joe Biden really crazy enough to, to hurt the progress we've made towards exporting natural gas? The, the prices right now in Asia and Europe, they're paying for the liquefied natural gas that only we can make, that only we can export. And for us to, as American industry to capture that margin, I think it's entirely possible that Biden cancels things like Keystone, which is really actually kind of an older story in the grand scheme of things. But if he actually hypocritically allows the terminals and the ports and this other LNG development to go, um, it could end up helping the economy. But it's totally hypocritical to what he's saying his energy agenda is. Well, it's got a simple supply and demand crisscrossing dictating price. Now that the U.S. is going to is going to reduce It's energy production, Steve Moore. I can only imagine the net result is everybody pays higher prices. And I'd be negligent if I didn't mention uh, the next beneficiary besides Russia and China and with the Biden policies on energy. And, of course, the return to the climate accords in Paris, which is really dumb because the same standards. How does China get off as a third world country? We pay all the money and put all the restrictions on us when we were reducing more more carbon emissions than any of these countries uh, in recent years. Uh, now that's going to be in a place. Now now he'll revive the Middle Eastern economy as well as, again, a limited supply because we're taking ourselves out of the competition and we're all going to pay more, a lot more. And, and Americans will lose millions of high-paying career jobs. Well, uh, we've, we've replaced, uh, you know, put America first with put America last. You're right. Who are the beneficiaries of the Biden administration's coming war on American energy? You mentioned it. It's the oil sheiks in the Middle East. It's Russia. It's China. Uh, and they cannot uh, believe their good luck that we're doing. I've always said, Sean, the only way that China can replace us as the world economic superpower if we, is if we impose negative policies on ourselves. And that's what's happening here. Under uh, One of the things that I think if, if Trump could run that election again, I think I wish he had emphasized more, you know, that we have the lowest gasoline prices we've had, you know, in, in a long, long, long time in this country. And there's I do believe, uh, David, that I think that these uh, these gas prices are going to go up. I think the left just in the 10 years since Obama was president, I think they have turned so far to the left on climate change uh, that they are willing. I do think they are willing to decapitate our oil and gas and coal industries. And by the way, the United States has more oil and gas and coal than any other country in the world, Sean. I know you know that. I know. So I am very worried about it. I think you are going to see prices rise. And I think that anyone who believes that somehow this is going to reduce global warming. If the Chinese and the Russians wanted to reduce oil and gas development, why are they building these pipelines? 
because they're going to use way more of it. China doesn't even have to comply. You've said this many times on your show, but it's worth repeating. China doesn't even have to comply with the, the Paris Climate Accord for another 10 years. And they're the biggest polluters. By far. And and it just is unfathomable to me. But all right, quick break. More with Steve Moore, David Bonson on the other side. The economic, well, apocalypse coming our way. All right, as we continue, Steve Moore, David Bonson, 800-941-SHAWN. We'll get to calls here in a minute as well. This whole uh, Green New Deal movement, David, has taken hold. And they're, they have been able to successfully indoctrinate even young kids in school so many into believing, oh, no, this this is necessary to save the planet or we're going to die. We're all going to die. You know, go back to Ocasio-Cortez. Her prediction, I think, was 12 years. And I'm like, well, might as well live it up then. If, if we only got 12 years left, we're going to go anyway. None of it is true. You know, the uh, the apocalypse is not coming. They speak in apocalyptic terms. And Yet Americans have been scared into thinking that we're the greatest polluters in the world. It's not true. And that somehow oil, gas and coal are are bad for us when we can't compete in a world marketplace uh, on any level if we're that dependent on foreign energy. Well, Sean, you know, the reason I use natural gas when I talk about this conversation, it is not that I disagree with you or Steve on crude oil and coal, because I completely agree. However, with natural gas, even the left acknowledges it's the cleaner fuel. And the reality is that uh, apart from, uh, you know, the, the environmental movement has moved so much, as you point out, that I think we can win on their terms when we talk about natural gas. And that's the issue, is you cannot get natural gas in the volume we need apart from fracking. And so one of the stats, when you're talking about the lower prices, Steve was talking about lower gas prices at the pump, nobody has talked about this. And I think it's perhaps the biggest statistic we could say about energy of all of them. The United States did not import any oil from Saudi Arabia in the month of November 2020 for the first time in 35 years. We had no imports of oil from a Middle Eastern superpower like Saudi Arabia. The, the, the ability. By the way, I did not know that. And, and Linda isn't like she looks like she's in a state of shock. I don't think anybody knew that. Well, people who read my uh, investment commentary do it. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. We got to get a plug in now on top of No, I don't mind at all. Um, <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, I did not know that is an amazing accomplishment. But we reached energy independence, David. That's why. That's exactly right. And I think that when you look to the cleaner alternatives for burning going forward, for how we're going to heat homes and how we're going to uh, generate electricity, natural gas has been the great solution. Now, of course, we are, clean, we are burning crude oil in a far cleaner way than ever, and carbon emissions are much lower, and the apocalyptic testimony of the left has been severely undermined by the COVID year, where 99% of their predictions did not come true. So I, I tend to lean more optimistic that there's a sort of fatigue in the society across the, the doom and gloom uh, political yeah. agenda of the AOCs. I don't so, Sean, know. Can I just I'm, add something yeah. to, to that, Sean? Yeah. Uh, which is that, look, David, David, I agree with your analysis, except I, I, I think that the left is more sinister than you do. I think they are against capitalism. They are against economic progress. Many of the more radical, clean, you know, green energy people. Uh, look, if you really wanted to replace uh, fossil fuels, which I think is a crazy idea, would you build, you know, hundreds of thousands of windmills and solar panels? No. You know, the solution obviously would be to use 
to move to nuclear power. But of course, Sean, the left is against nuclear power too, which emits no pollution whatsoever because they, they want to use the form of energy that is the least productive. I mean, my goodness, windmills. Does anybody really think we're going to, we're going to be able to power a $22 trillion industrial economy with windmills? I mean, it's insanity, Sean. The only way you can do that is by slowing economic growth, which increases poverty. And incidentally, Joe Biden lied. And I'm going to use that word. He lied in that clip you said. He said, we don't. We don't um, subsidize solar and wind power. That's all we've been doing for the last 25 years. He wants to provide $1 trillion of subsidies for wind and solar because the only way it can be competitive is to throw government money at it, just like uh, Obama did with Solyndra and all these other failed projects. But, but so, see, this is a really important point because you're 100% right. It's just that when we talk about how it's going to benefit Russia and benefit Saudi Arabia, right. the reality is Joe Biden is to be called out for how his policies are going to also benefit Exxon and Chevron because the subsidies, the, the deregulation and so forth that Trump did helps smaller energy players. It democratizes the energy industry in Texas and Oklahoma. This, there's a reason why Exxon supports the carbon tax. It's going to take away their competitors. And I think that Biden has to be called out for the crony capitalism that he says he's against, that clearly his policies would bring about. Well, obviously he's for it. All you need to do is talk to the first lady of Moscow, the Russian oligarch, transferring, wire transferring three and a half million a hunter's company, and the Kazakh oligarch transferring money in Burisma in Ukraine, and of course the $100,000 shopping spree, Steve, and of course, I'm sure you, you've checked out his credentials. I'm sure he probably has more economic credentials, private equity, in private equity than you do, right? Hunter Biden, it is. <laughs> well, what really troubles me, we've been talking about the economics of this, which are crazy, because, look, David is absolutely right. The, the, one of the four, cleanest forms of, of energy is natural gas. It's a, it's a wonder fuel. It is, it is abundant. It's made in America. It's efficient. It's cheap, and it's uh, clean burning. So you would think the environmentalists would be in favor of natural gas, but they are against it. Now, if we shut down our pipelines and we can't transport our natural gas, guess where Europe has to get its natural gas from, Sean? From Russia. Now, why would we want to do that? Why would we want to make our European allies uh, dependent on Russia when we have cheaper natural gas than they do. Thank you, David uh, Bonson and Steve Moore. 800-941-SEAN, our number. Uh, wide open phones when we come back. Much more. Quick break, right back. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza, now we got the mob, the media, they all want to they wanna make sure that Donald J. Trump supporters are reprogrammed. And that they stay silent. When you accept the radicalism that's about to be stow this this country on so many fronts. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to get worse. And I have a list in front of me of everything that Biden wants to do. It's everything we told you he would do. Climate change, immigration, student loans, mask mandates, shutdown orders, all of it. And then some Paris Accords day one. Now, what's fascinating is, is the media can't seem to understand that poll after poll after poll, yeah, 93% of Republicans would vote again for Donald J. Trump. Um, but they can't even keep their own messages straight. Here's uh, Biden and Kamala Harris on the issue of fracking. They can't get it straight. I am not, not, not banning fracking, period. But kiddo, I want you to just take a look, okay? You don't have to agree. But I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, 
I guarantee you we're going to end fossil fuel and I am not going to cooperate with them, okay? No more, no new fracking. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated and no more subsidies for either one of those. Will you commit to implementing a federal ban on fracking your first day in office? adding the United States to the list of countries who have banned this devastating practice. There's no question I'm in favor of banning fracking. All right, there you have the mixed messages. Anyway, Trump retains overwhelming support among Republicans uh, as we now head into the ever-weak, frail, cognitively struggling Grandpa Joe in the White House with the most radical agenda ever put forward by any major political party in, in history. We welcome back to the pro, uh, program our official pollsters, John McLaughlin, Matt Towery with us. Oh, and by the way, Joe wants to eliminate, on top of the Paris Accords, the, the XL pipeline, Keystone XL pipeline. Not good either. Uh, anyway, uh, guys, great to have you back. Matt, I look at these polls and I say, wow, Donald Trump's popular. Now, the question is, is if Joe Biden obviously is not going to go against his left wing radical base, And that means that Joe Biden is going to implement this radical agenda, nor is he going to stop the Democrats from their impeachment madness. What about Republicans that go along with this insanity? Well, you know, for every action, there's a reaction. I think right now, if I look at the polls, probably no one poll is going to give us an exact view of where Republicans are on Trump. It's been a traumatizing last two weeks because of uh, a lot of the interpretation of what took place on, on Capitol Hill. And goodness knows it was it's dreadful to see, and we all are, are uh, saddened to see the loss of life and the like that took place. But the president's been through a lot, and I think what he's done that has been very helpful is that he stayed quiet. And uh, many people said, oh, the president can't possibly stay quiet. Well, he's been quiet for the last week, week and a half, uh, partially because he's been silenced by the, uh, by the technology companies. But that having been said, his, his numbers are stabilizing, and we're beginning to see that the overplay of impeachment, the overplay by the tech companies of ban- banning him, are having an effect, and they're actually helping President Trump consolidate and get back to his numbers that he had pre-election. So I think in the end, your question was, what will happen with these Republicans who, who end up going against them? They're going to find out very quickly that they're going to be just as unpopular with their base, and they're going to have just as many problems going against him. Um, in the coming weeks and going into a month, if we do have an impeachment trial, as they had going into the election when they miscalculated and thought he wasn't popular and then realized all of a sudden, gee, our polls are right, the others weren't right, and Trump was on the verge of winning or did win, depending on who's interpreting it. John, my, my argument to Republicans is I would not touch this unconstitutional post-presidential impeachment trial madness. I don't think one Republican should even show up to this circus of Schumer and Pelosi and and the the squad. And I don't even think the president should send one defense attorney either. And I think when they're done, then they can have uh, a vote. And then I think the Republicans can vote to acquit. Uh, Your advice is right on. They should be paying you to be the consultant because... The, the media right now and their, their biased polls, the same ones that told us it was going to be a blue wave and a Biden landslide that were wrong because it was a very close race again, they're trying to sucker GOP senators into voting for or a, a trial and conviction of the president before it even started. And as you point out, it's unconstitutional. 
And it would be suicide because 80, we did that battleground survey for the Save America PAC last week. 80% of Trump voters are less likely to vote for any Republican who voted for impeachment. 76% of Republicans are less likely to vote for any Republican who voted for impeachment. And 74% of all voters said that Pelosi and the Democrats are doing this just to prevent Donald Trump from running again. And they're sandbagging it with a lot of bad media polls. I mean, the Pew poll that said the president's job rule was only at 29%, they only had 30% Trump voters in the poll. It was 47% on Election Day nationally. And we won the popular vote in the battleground states, so they're trying to sandbag them with bad polls. And, and like the NBC poll over the weekend, only 27% Republican. We had 36% in the media exit polls on November 3rd. So the president's approval rating is more like the Rasmussen poll, where it's 48%, and our poll had 49%. And the Republicans are about to make a grave error if they go along with this this totally political impeachment. And they, like you said, they should take your advice, throw it out, and let Joe Biden, you know, tell us about how he's going to wreck the country with bad policies. You know, and the other thing is, is the left is already overreaching. I mean, I think people are now going to see just how radical the left is. And if they go in and they want their, you know, they, they want to keep this still about Donald Trump to gin up their base some more and distract away from their radical policies. Matt, I, I don't know how this ends well for them. Because I, I don't think anybody's really thought through how much trouble Hunter Biden is with his laptop problems. I've been briefed by numerous people that actually have seen it. They've got real issues about to hit them. Well, you know, there's always a honeymoon with any presidency, including there will be one certainly with Biden because he has the press very much in his corner. So from a polling standpoint, I don't know what effect that's going to have. And, and, and I think these Republicans uh, who are leaning going against the president are making a huge mistake because they're, they're not calculating the fact that, as I said at the start, for every action, there is a reaction. So to the extent that the Biden administration, when it begins, goes extreme to the left with, with it, either executive orders or whatever they try to do in Congress very quickly, that's going to have a, a stinging effect uh, for Republicans because the Republicans who right now think the president is in trouble We'll come to realize very quickly that, that you know, but, is it, but, but this time, is the okay. easiest out in the world. Mitch McConnell, though, I hear is he was willing to make a deal with Schumer, put this thing on trial well, and, and play right into the circus well, act of but, the but Democrats. I, but don't we think there's other politics at play there? I mean, McConnell, there's something else up with McConnell being willing to, to have that trial. And I think it's, in the end, we all think possibly it's that they want to bar Trump from running for office again. Which, again, I think would be a huge mistake. Because so, in other words, the most popular guy in the party that. that has not, after everything that's happened with all the post-election, whatever, and all of this happens, and he's as popular as he's always been, especially with his core base, 75 million Americans. I mean, it's kind of sad that it took Bill Maher to say, you know, don't don't make 5,000 people that joined in with whoever the people were that were learning about might have organized a lot of the stuff at the Capitol uh, in with 75 million people. And that's what the Democrats always do. Yeah, and it also tells you that McConnell probably isn't planning on running for re-election again in Kentucky. because that Yeah, he just got his six years. What does he care? Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I tell you what, what he's going to care about is they want to take back the Senate majority, either next time there's a special election or two years from now, and this will turn off the donor base in the party. This will turn off the rank and file uh, base in the party. And and I can tell you, last week, Sean, besides being your pollster on these regular radio uh, appearances with Matt, 
um, we, we, most of what we do is campaign polling. Last week was a very busy week for us fielding calls from Republicans out of the woodwork who want to either primary establishment Republicans who are against the president or uh, want to take out Democrats who uh, voted for this impeachment. So uh, uh, the, outside the Beltway, uh, the president is popular, his base is rock solid, and now they're white-hot energized. Well, I mean, what happens? I mean, you see the backlash, you know, against Liz Cheney and some other people in their home states, home districts, and and people are livid and furious about it. Uh, right, and and well, I I'll tell you what, it it well, I was go ahead, Matt, but I was going to say it's the backfire against social media and big tech. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and then Rand Paul says, guess what? That blows up the whole Republican Party. I don't disagree with him, Matt Towery, if. And and if the president decides not to run one day, is there anybody, either one of you, Matt Towery sees that is going to step up and be able to fill that void? I'm not sure I see anybody. Oh, we'll see, people. I think first we'll have to have a decision of whether the president decides he's going to run again or not, uh, because he's going to be a huge uh, issue until such time as he decides to run. And if he doesn't decide to run, you'll see people emerge. I think you've seen some people who have been uh, defending uh, logic and reason on television, members of the Senate, members of Congress. I think they have a chance to to pick up the mantle of what Trump has done and and try to expand on it. So I think there is a future. I want to say one thing about the Liz Cheney types, though. That's the bubble that they live in, the D.C. media bubble. And they're hearing nothing but negative. And they just assume that the voters who vote them in feel the same way. And they don't. To, to John's very point about these polls. But it's all going to be crystal clear in the next few months, because as I, as I said, every action is a reaction, and the reaction will come very quickly when people start to realize what they're missing now when they have a new administration and when President Trump has, in essence, been silenced. I don't think, that, I don't think people fully understand how radical Joe's going to be, how many ethical issues Joe is going to end up having, and I don't think they you know, understand uh, the Hunter Biden, Joe Biden foreign syndicate, you know, financial syndicate that they've had and how much money we're talking about here. Well, I tell you what, around the outside of the Beltway, if you're paying for gasoline, it's gone up 25 or 30 cents a gallon last week. And if you are on the Keystone Pipeline job, you probably just got a layoff notice from Joe Biden. So Americans are about to see maybe gasoline go three, four dollars because He's ending the Keystone Pipeline deal. They're re-entering the Paris Accord, which is a bad deal for the U.S. They're talking to Iran again. I mean, they're going to cost us, you know, millions of dollars and, and, and millions of jobs if he keeps going the way he's going. And the spending in, the, in the, uh, uh, this new uh, uh, stimulus plan, it's a bailout for a lot of states and local governments, et cetera. It's going to lower the value of the dollar. So, you know, we're going to end up paying prices for this, you know, in our daily lives. America's going to learn what real socialism is. And that's where I think they overreach, as they always do. And Matt Tower, I just don't see them, you know, I, I just see nothing but longstanding overreach that will result in predictable failure because these policies have been tried again and again and again, and they just never work. Well, and they're going to be amplified this time, so we're going to get a chance to see an amplified reaction. I want to say one thing, Sean. This, this caravan we have headed towards the U.S. right now will be the first big test of the Biden administration, because if you let this group into the U.S., then you've got the issue of the COVID response, which, of course, the COVID response has been, you know, everybody has to be masked up and locked down and the like. So this is going to be a very difficult decision for the Biden administration to deal with, 
because if they let everyone in, they violate their COVID position. If they don't let them in, they violate the statements they've made about uh, letting folks into the United States and changing our immigration policy. Very interesting and symbolic to begin this new administration. All right, we got time for one quick call here. As we say hi to David, he's in the great state of South Carolina. David, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hey, well, thank you for having me. I'm a longtime listener and first-time caller. I had something that I thought about I'd like to discuss with you or have you think about. Using the power and influence of your office to have Mark Levin defend President Trump in the impeachment trial. It's a thought I had, and who could it? It's a great thought. Do I think um, he's going to do it or be able to do it based on his work, his day job? I don't think so, but there's no more brilliant you know, constitutional attorney than Mark. And, you know, it's look, it's people like Jonathan Turley. It's people like Mark Levin. It's people like Alan Dershowitz. I mean, most former federal judges and and people that have served on the bench, they all say the same thing, that this post-presidency constitutional shift show that they want to put on is is garbage. I, I take the position, don't show up. Don't defend anything. Republicans ought not show up. Let them let them have their witch hunt and they can go out and tell the American people what they're working on in terms of our economy, our future, national defense, COVID response, getting the vaccine to as many people as want it as possible. The Trump vaccine, not the Biden vaccine. Anyway, I hope that answers your question. Quick break, news roundup, information overload. When we come back, James O'Keefe with the very latest on his undercover operation against Twitter tape you'd never heard before. Coming up next exclusively on The Sean Hannity Show. All right, news roundup, information overload, our Sean Hannity Show. Last week, Project Veritas uh, had their undercover video at Jack, Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, and, oh, this is just the beginning. We're focused on one account now, but we're going to be focused on everybody's account in, in the year to come. Well, as, as he usually does and as he promised, now they have more information about big tech, Twitter, Jack Dorsey. A lot of the work that we've been doing over the last week is work we've built on in other places. What does that mean, especially since other big tech, you know, came to the rescue to silence their competitor? They're, you know, their competitor like Parler. Anyway, and it goes on. They have a Twitter legal policy trust uh, safety lead. One of the interesting things is that a lot of the work that we've been doing over the last week and they go on from there uh, is work we've built on in other places around the world. And we've seen the violence unfold as a result of either misleading information or coded rhetoric. And then a lot of the leanings here in the U.S. have come from other markets. So in that sense, uh, you know, we do feel like it's our global approach. Let's play it. We do intend to do a full retro, as I said in my note. It is going to take some time. Um, and then the, the other thing, just to just to close out a little bit, we, you know, we, we are focused on one account right now, but this is going to be much bigger than just one account. And it's going to go on for much longer than just this day this week the next few weeks to kind of go on beyond the inauguration. We have to expect that. We have to be ready for that. So the focus is certainly on this account and uh, how it ties to real-world violence, but also we need to think much longer term around how these dynamics play out over time. Um, I don't believe this is going away anytime soon. And the moves that we're making today uh, around uh, QAnon, for instance, one such example of a much broader approach. 
beyond the amplification, we are going to, conspiracy theories, we are going to be permanently suspending those accounts. Whether we believe Trump's tweets are inciting violence and having real world harm, I think we've seen that, in fact, they are since coming back from the timeout to um, de-escalate the situation in, in other places around the world where we've seen uh, violence unfold as a result of um, either misleading information or um, coded rhetoric. Um, so a lot of our learnings here have come from other markets. So in that sense, um, you know, we do feel like it is, it is, this is our global approach. We need to be very focused on being able to enforce any of these policies or enforcement decisions we make at scale. I think long term we want to be in terms of building trust and enforcing policies consistently and providing adequate notice um, before we take a very um, uh, aggressive step like a permanent suspension. There's also been a lot of questions about retros um, and um, uh, of course we're going to do a retro. I mean, we're, we're, we're in the midst of a retro around the election generally. This will be most definitely folded into it. What we saw Wednesday morning was really concerning to us, obviously. So uh, a small team gathered from Trust and Safety. We were discussing um, the potential for violence to happen and we decided to uh, escalate our enforcement of the civic integrity policy and use um, a label that disabled engagements um, to stop the spread of potentially inflammatory um, content, which is the content around uh, election interference, election fraud, stealing the election, um, that type of thing. We are going to, conspiracy theories, we are going to be permanently suspending those accounts. We are doing everything that we can to ensure that Twitter is being used in a positive way, a positive way affects society. All right, James O'Keefe, founder, CEO, Project Veritas. This in his latest installment as it relates to big tech and social media, more specifically Twitter. Um, You know, on the surface, people may not understand what they're actually saying here. The fact that they're admitting that they've taken on these policies of silencing opposition voices around the world and it's part of an effort that they have made elsewhere, that kind of scares me a little bit. And I want you to, from your perspective, as you're hearing this, in, in the context of what you released last week from Jay, uh, from uh, at Jack, uh, how do you see it? Thanks, Sean. Uh, this is the second installment of the whistleblower recordings inside Twitter, and I think the most shocking thing from this new tape is this is Vijaya Gade. She is the head of the Twitter's Orwellian sounding Trust and Safety Council, and she says, "quote." We decided to escalate our enforcement of potentially inflammatory content. Not just inflammatory content, Sean, but potentially inflammatory content, including content around exposing election fraud, that type of thing. So I find that to just be shocking, that, that it's not just about what is inflammatory, but even indirectly or, and I want to know how they define this you know, potentially inflammatory content. They talk about taking on the global scale around the world. Um, it's it's more of what we've suspected, Sean, but now we have it out of their own mouths, what they won't say publicly, but they'll say in their staff meetings. So what do you think that they've done, and what have they learned that they're going to be implementing everywhere? Well, one of the things that they she explicitly mentions in the video is, you know, this, this QAnon content that they've that they've retroactively, or they're, they're starting to ban on Twitter, but in the first tape... They By the way, I know the whole QAnon. The whole, they've got this big conspiracy theory. I get it. I understand it. I don't understand yep. what the theory is. It may, every time somebody's trying to explain it to me, it makes no sense to me. 
Is there anything that you see that you hear that you read that is dangerous or threatening to anybody with it? Well, I don't. I'm not that I'm aware of, Sean. And and she, but she, the, the Vigigade, the Twitter legal policy trust and safety lead, it says that they're going to go beyond the QAnon. They're going to enforce things beyond anything that's conspiracy theory in nature. But as we're well aware, that how do you define that? What what is a conspiracy theory? I mean, we have we have people in Texas and Minnesota who are on tape, you know, paying for votes, paying for vote. They were even arrested in Texas recently. And this Twitter official is saying that anyone who exposes voter election fraud, it could be potentially inflammatory. So the implementation of this is very concerning, and they're going to. And as in the first tape, the CEO of, of Twitter says they're going to take it well beyond the president, well beyond inauguration day. It's going to be every day, every week, moving forward to eliminate this "quote unquote" misleading information. I mean, that's what's disturbing to me. I mean, at what point? I mean, you, you got to It's a very fine line when you're dealing with with freedom of speech. It just is. Um, and I will tell you this and think of it this way. If we're going to talk about racist, virulent, anti-Semitic rhetoric, of course, everybody wants nobody wants any part of that. Or I don't know or understand completely, you know, what is acceptable and what's not? Now, I don't know if you've ever scoured Twitter or social media or Facebook or any of these other companies looking at comments about you, but I would assume that it's similar to the comments I get about me. And a lot of it is vile, hateful, full of slander, lies, smears. But I never once in my life, James O'Keefe, ever, ever thought that maybe I'd want to shut these people down and shut them up and silence them. Well, and, and this is the quote from Vishagade, quote, we're going to actually be more aggressive in our enforcement beyond de-amplification, that word de-amplification. And now, Sean, they've said that they don't shadow ban, but we've caught them on tape in previous exposés admitting to shadow banning people they don't like. So we, we know that they're a private company. We know that they're, you know, the First Amendment doesn't apply to, to Twitter exactly, but we just want them to be honest. We just want them to tell the truth to the people about what they're doing. So this is the first time we've heard this word, I think, the amplification come out of the vice president's mouth. And uh, it's kind of an admission that they're going to be more aggressive in, in the shadow banning, de-boosting accounts they don't like, going well beyond the QAnon accounts that they that they uh, uh, purged from Twitter last week. Uh, you've all seen your Twitter followers go down by 10% or 15%. But how they define this is critical. And, uh, you know, it's it's great that this whistleblower has, has come forward and give us all this tape. Um, we, you got a statement from Twitter last week, Sean. You aired that on your program. Uh, well, it'll be interesting to see how they respond today. It's amazing. It's how common it is when you have people, you know, literally talking about re-education camps and how do you deprogram Trump supporters? I mean, they're literally saying this, and it's a lot of people on the left saying it. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're saying things that we've all suspected to be the case. You saw last week Veritas released that tape showing the PBS lead lawyer uh, oh, saying that they're going to kids away from their Republican parents. DHS is going to take the lead. Um, you know, it's very Orwellian, straight out of 1984, what, what Vizhagati is doing. Even the whole Trust and Safety Council label is Orwellian. But uh, they're, they're clearly going to go on a massive censorship campaign. This is their, their, their future policy. Uh, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, is currently vacationing in French Polynesia, which is where this was recorded. Uh, you know, he's meditating every day. Is that true? 
in uh, yes, we believe in a yurt in in French Polynesia. He's he's on vacation, and he did this emergency staff meeting on January the eighth. Uh, his employees on this recording, he, he's almost apologetic to them. They're demanding more censorship. If anything, Jack Dorsey is probably more First Amendment than all of his staff, which are be- be- begging him to be more aggressive. But this Vigigatti individual takes a very important role in, in the censorship. Again, emphasizing deamplification, quote unquote, potentially inflammatory content. Not inflammatory content, but, but what could probably be that content around election fraud. Uh, Sean, I don't know who's going to be doing any journalism anymore aside from, you know, in citizens. Not that you can't depend upon NBC News and CNN. So it really depends upon the independent people, precisely the people that Twitter are going to be censoring. All right. Is there more coming tomorrow, more coming this week? There's always more coming. I think, as I said to you on TV, <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's always there's more coming, of course. There are uh, tips at ProtonMail.com. Everyone send us your tips. We've got a dozen insiders working with us right now. All right. James O'Keefe, CEO, founder of Project Veritas, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, wide open phones when we get back. All right, as promised, let's get to our busy telephones here. 800-941-SEAN, our number. Debbie is in North Carolina. Debbie, hi. How are you? Glad you called. How are you, Sean? Thank you for taking my call. I just had a, a few really quick things I wanted to pass along as my own thoughts as an American citizen. Um, first of all, please pray for the president, pray for the nation. We are in very tumultuous times, and I just feel like this is this is the greatest crime that was ever perpetrated against the American people, to have an election like this stolen from us. The second thing I'd like to ask is that everybody pressure their state legislatures to have clean elections from now on going forward. We've got to be able to have faith, trust, integrity, confidence in election and election results. End of sentence. And I think what we all learned here is, well, partisan observers didn't observe. Wisconsin's law, Michigan's laws were ignored. Pennsylvania's constitution was ignored. The consent agreement in Georgia was horrible. And I I think it's an equal justice issue myself. And with that said, it's going to be up now to the state legislators to get moving. And the idea that we're just going to wait and forget about it and say, oh, how are things for the next election when that election comes up? It's too late at that point. And if it's not the top priority of of every state, I mean, we've proven we can fix things when they go wrong. Right. In Florida, look at Florida, 2000, 2016, they fixed it. And they we had no problems in Florida at all. No Broward County, no Palm Beach County problems this year. So I uh, I, I just think it's pretty simple to me. All right. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean should be a top priority. Ethan in Louisiana. Ethan. Hi. How are you? Oh, thank you for having me, Sean. It's good to talk to you. Uh, if I may, I like to for you to declassify this irregularity in my mind, being in the position that you are constitutionally, how can a candidate such as Joe Biden be sworn in as president of the United States under a Bible, knowing that he was not legally or legitimately elected by the American people? Uh, Biden was casted as the winner because the news media, including Fox News and the other liberal outlets, declared him the winner, but legally it was President Donald Trump who won with over 75 plus million votes. And you see, liberals hear you say this and they're like, they can't explain. They can't. They're like, oh, their heads are going to explode. Now, it's not well, a, you know, in terms of the, if you look at the American people in polls and Republicans and many independents, about 30 percent of independents in a poll I saw this weekend. Um, and even fairly decent side, considering of Democrats don't think we had election integrity. 
And for all the reasons that I just laid out and the reasons, you know, me following the law of Wisconsin, the law of Michigan, the Constitution of the United States, the Constitution of Pennsylvania, and this idiotic consent decree uh, to varying standards on signature verification in Georgia, for example. And and then look at Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is now she's she's got her agenda. And as part of it, what she's sneaking in is, oh, they want to keep the new covid standards in place. In other words, more mail in balloting because they know it works in their favor. Uh, If that's the case and Republicans don't step up nationally and on the state level, then Republicans could probably kiss it goodbye. I don't see how they can win another election. I just don't. You don't have, oh, well, again, voter ID, simple thing, right? Well, yeah, I mean, under, under again, under constitutional law, how can the people of the United States accept Joe Biden as the legal president, quote, unquote? Well, a lot of people do. I mean, and that's the reality of Wednesday. And, you know, it's, um, you know, but the president hasn't lost any support. And I think that there's going to be, you're, you're going to see a nexus here. And the nexus is going to end up being, the radicalism of Joe and the and liberal Democrats. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of controversy surrounding Joe and his, you know, foreign financial corruption syndicate. Hunter, a lot of trouble probably coming down the road, coupled with what we might finally ever get out from the Durham report, coupled by, you know, all these all this radicalism. It's the American people are not a radically left socialist country. They're not going to respond the way Democrats think they will. Anyway, I hope that answers your question. 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Your call's coming up straight ahead. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Many people, by the way, maybe some of you that don't always get a chance to listen, at least in real time, to the program, maybe you check out our podcast uh, on Hannity.com. Maybe you're joining us today, the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. You know, the amazing thing uh, about, well, there's so many things amazing about Martin Luther King. Do you know he gave... This speech, well, at the age of 35, he was young. He was the youngest man to have received the Nobel Peace Prize. He got the selection. It was over $54,000, a lot of money uh, back at the time. And he immediately donated it to the continuance furtherness of uh, furthering the civil rights movement agenda. And anyway, and then, of course, he was assassinated in the balcony of a motel room in Memphis, Tennessee. And he was there to lead a protest march in sympathy of striking garbage workers of the city. And it was a horrific day. I'll never forget the tape. You can watch it, pull it up. Maybe there'll be some commemorative pieces on TV. Uh, Robert F. Kennedy, Robert Kennedy announcing what had happened. And it just and this was after the assassination of his brothers, just tumultuous times. But I've never, ever nobody could ever match a speech like this. Just amazing. Let's play a little bit of it. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day 
Even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. And this will be the day, this will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, my country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. From the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire, let freedom ring. From the mighty mountains of New York, let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and mole hill of Mississippi from every mountainside. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, and when we allow freedom ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we are free at last. All right, that's MLK, I have a dream. Don't we all have a dream? I hope so. We need one now. Big time, AJ, Houston, Texas. What's going on, baby? How are you? Big time, Sean Hannity. Hey, what's going on? You know, by the way, I have a lot of I have a lot of family moving down to Houston, Texas, around where you are. Well, tell them to come on down because we open and ready to rock and roll. We ain't going to let them liberal Democrats destroy (laughs) us like they destroying everything Uh, else. And they talk about China being the bad guys. What about them Democrats that's in that White House and some of them Republicans that ain't fighting for we the people? I mean, what we saw in the last eight months, I've never heard nobody talk about it. The Democrats didn't say nothing. And then look at all the barbed wire they got going around. You know I ramble. They, they got the barbed wire going around the White House and around Washington. And What about them other cities that people lost their businesses, their lives and everything? Why they didn't do the same thing for them cities? Because of the Democrat governors didn't want that to happen. Now, everybody should see what's going on, Sean. Look at the double standard we're watching. They're protecting that, but they didn't protect the people. Didn't they take an old son to take care of the people? Or what was the old for? I mean, this is Martin Luther King turning in his grave. I don't want to hear another word about 
what Martin Luther King said from the Democrat Party because they just went against everything he stood for. Even Kennedy. The Democrats wouldn't have Kennedy and a they, they, they regime, regime or whatever you want to call it because he didn't stand for what they stood, what they doing now. I mean, look at why would you shut the pipeline? Why would you shut the jobs down? What is these people trying to do, Sean? What's, I mean, would somebody tell the media to do their job, Sean? Some, you know the media I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. They hey, AJ, AJ, I, I'm like down. an island. There's a few of us on an island. There's not many of us in talk radio. There's a few of us on Fox. There's not many of us. You know, I, what did I tell you during the whole Russia, 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 Ukraine, 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 all this four years psychotic rage and, and hatred? Um, it's not just Trump they always hated. They hate we the people, the smelly Walmart shopping people, the irredeemable, deplorable people. You know, that, that that's that's really at the heart of it all. And and now it's remember, I wrote the book, AJ, you know, it's uh, America and the world on the on the brink. Here we are. Live free or die. And listen, what I'm saying to people is you can't leave the fight. You just can't. And and I know some people get deflated. Some people are unhappy. I get it. I totally understand it. I'm human. I bleed. I'm not Spock. I feel the same things everyone else is feeling. And and the frustration. I, I, I look at these policies as an unmitigated, predictable disaster for the country. And, you know, our job is to be out there and provide a path, an alternative path to take the country in the future, the country we love. We don't have we don't have the luxury just sitting back saying, oh, OK, well, just uh, that's it. But, you know, it's we're not going to we're not going to keep fight, fighting and battling for the principles that we know uh, make America great. And then you just, you know, you stay in the political arena. You Trumpers ain't going nowhere, so they might as well forget it. We know they stole the election. Everybody know what happened. And we got we're going to stand strong. And I hope Trump stand in there, even though he might be gone for a few. We're going to stand with him all the way. And we ain't going to clip the wings of the American way. If you That's have a different view, though, think about what you just said. They don't, when people you can't even say that you believe there was corruption in the election without them now wanting to shut you down, completely silence you that, and just what? erase you, cancel you, shut you up. Now, you could intelligently talk about the signature verification consent decree in Georgia. You can intelligently talk about the Pennsylvania Constitution and the law passed by legislators in the state. You can intelligently, like the chief justice of the Wisconsin Supreme Court, you can lay out uh, how they did not follow election law in the state of Wisconsin. And that uh, you can you can point all these things out. But no, they most venues want to silence any opposition voices. Now they want re-education camps and they want, well, how, how do we deprogram supporters of Donald Trump? I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Katie Couric attacking Republicans and the president. You know, how are we really going to deprogram these people so who have signed not up for the do, cult Are of they Trump? not conceding, Bill, but there's thoughts that there might have been some collusion among members of Congress. Some are refusing yeah. to go through magnometers or whatever you call yeah. them to, to check for weapons. They're not wearing masks during the siege. I mean, it's really bizarre, isn't it, when you think about how AWOL so many of these members of Congress have gotten. But I also think some of them are believing the garbage that they are being fed 
24-7 on the Internet, by their constituents, and yeah. they bought into this big lie. And the question is, how are we going to really almost deprogram these people who have signed up for the cult of Trump? What about the cult of socialism and radicalism? See, I just there's this there's there's a level of arrogance and breathtaking elitism among I don't care if it's the New York, D.C., L.A., San Francisco elites and we the people and they don't even want to understand. I mean, it took Bill Maher to actually say, well, you can't blame 5000 people that participated in what happened at the Capitol and associate it with 75 million Trump supporters. But most would want to. It's actually a little shocking and surprising. But um, look, he himself has been an effort over many years of people to silence him. And it's not been the left that have stood up for him. It's, it's been the more way. conservatives. They do anyway, big time. the same way, Sean. Yeah. The same way. This is crazy. We, nuts. we ain't going to stop fighting, though. We're still going to fight. Well, you know, there's an ebb and flow to these things. I wish it weren't so, but it is. And um, But if we don't get certain things right, if we don't, you know, I, I don't know if there come, becomes a point of no return. Because they are pushing this radical agenda as hard as anyone I've ever seen in this country ever stated or even stating it. Uh, thank you, big time. Uh, John is in Tennessee. What's up, John? How are you? Hey, Sean. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking the call. Thank um, you. Listen, Sean, I want to I preface just by saying I'm a, I'm a retired uh, veteran, disabled veteran, and also a retired New York firefighter that just relo- wow. relocated to Tennessee. What a life of service. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it, but um, I, I say that as I lead into my question and wanting an opinion from you on something. For the past several months, um, we've heard yourself and several other uh, personalities talk about how dangerous a Biden election is, and even more so how dangerous flipping the Senate is going to be for the future of this country. And now that that has taken place, what is on the mind of a lot of people is that we have no hope anymore. We know that the Democrats are going to try and pack the Supreme Court. They're going to try and flip Puerto Rico and D.C. into statehood. And they're going to try and give 11 million illegal aliens to vote overnight. What can we do? What's your opinion? What can we do? I know you've said that we need to be strong. We need to vote. But they're taking our rights away. They're well, they're also almost with H.R. 1. I mean, Pelosi's trying to bake in the coronavirus uh, voting changes in perpetuity as well. I mean, um, look, y- y- you have two choices here. You just sit back and watch it deteriorate and do nothing, or you do everything you can do to help elect people that will have the backbone and the strength and the principles and the views that will will make this a more perfect union and get us out of this mess that we're now in. Now, I can't guarantee success, I could just guarantee you that it's it's a critical moment because if this cements itself in these changes cement in, be it on the economy or energy uh, or foreign policy, I mean, pretty much everything and the speech police and the cancel culture and it just gets worse and worse and worse. We don't do anything. And that will be the country we're left with. You know, I too many people have sacrificed for us, for us just to lay down and, and not continue in this ongoing pursuit of liberty, freedom, capitalism, free markets, risk, reward, ingenuity, innovation. We just can't. We just got to keep up the battle. Now, they're, they're overreaching already. They're going to continue the overreach and the consequences will become apparent. 
Socialism always fails. And all these promises are never going to be fulfilled. And at the end of that process, you know, we'll be there to, to implement the changes, clean up the mess, fix things and, and adhere to principles of liberty and freedom. And and but I just don't know how much damage is done in the interim. These are bad policies. This is a bad agenda. This is not going to work. And why people put the tr- faith, hope, trust in government. I don't know. I really don't. But stay. You, you just you stay steady. It's day by day. It's not, you know, let's do everything we can do every day we can. And there's there's more of us than I think people realize that understand the dangers of radical socialism, extremism. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. A busy Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern Fox News. It is getting chilling, an Orwellian nightmare that is now hovering over the United States. Never thought it would happen. Representative Madison Cawthorn, who got kicked off Twitter, joins us. The CEO of Parler, John Matz, joins us. Miranda Devine, Pete Hegseth, Matt Gates, Larry and Leo, and Ken Cuccinelli. 9 Eastern, say DVR, Hannity, Fox News. See you tonight. Thanks for being with us. Back here tomorrow. 